0: the todd stansbury podcast from ramblinwreck.com this is the official podcast of georgia tech athletic director todd stansbury as he gives you an inside look at what's happening around yellow jacket athletics now alongside tech athletic director todd stansbury here's the voice of the yellow jackets
1: andy Demetra. And happy holidays and happy Toddcast to you. Welcome in, everybody. It's been a while, but we're happy to be back here for an end of season Toddcast with the athletic director, Todd Stansberry. I'm Andy Dementra. Todd, happy holidays. How are you?
0: Happy holidays. Doing great. Uh, I tell you what, things uh, that fall just blew by us, didn't it?
1: It really did. You know, the days drag, but the, the months fly. Isn't that what they always That's say? exactly right. Well, hopefully we can provide some pleasurable listening for you on your holiday travels over these next couple of weeks. Make sure you subscribe to the Toddcast. We're available and uh, the iTunes Store and the Google Play Marketplace. And when you do, make sure you like, you listen, you subscribe. All right, so we got that out of the way. Let's get down to business, shall we? And oh, by the way, if you do want to uh, submit a question for a future Toddcast, very easy to do. Just reach out to us on Twitter and use that hashtag Toddcast. Before we get into Georgia Tech signing day that they just closed down, what do you recall of your signing day? Or maybe more specifically, day that you signed to come to Georgia Tech? Yeah, well,
0: I was back in the day when the coaches were actually in your home signing you on that day. And of course, Uh, We had a big party um, up in uh, Mississauga, Ontario with my teammates and friends and family. And of course, uh, I mean, a huge, huge day uh, for me and my family and also um, the fact that it ultimately changed the whole trajectory of my life. Who was the
1: coach that was up there with you?
0: It was a coach who unfortunately just passed away Mm -hmm. in the last year, but Ken Blair, who um, had been a an assistant of both um, Pepper Rogers and then uh, was retained by Bill Curry and uh, was just a, a great great guy and I think uh, definitely had to find some uh, some outerwear to, to come up to <laughs> Toronto and sign me I, I don't know if he got the short end of the stick or whatever or lost in uh, paper rock scissors but uh, it, was a, it was definitely a special, a special day for uh, myself and my family.
1: So I'm inferring that this was a typical Canadian day on which you signed? Oh, yeah, and it was old
0: school, too. Like, when you actually did... When it did snow, you know, six... I I actually think we probably had eight inches of snow on the ground. Oh, really? And it was cold. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, but it was a... uh, we definitely introduced um, Coach Blair, who uh, was originally from uh, New Mexico, to the um, Canadian
1: winner. There you go. And uh, who knows, maybe one of these young men who signed in the class of 2020 couple decades from now they'll be occupying your office as the athletic director you never know what uh, the power of that signature to come to Georgia Tech can do for you right well now now we know it's possible that's for sure (laughs) you have blazed that trail (laughs) and what a, a, a class it was for Jeff Collins you know from the moment he was introduced last December 8th one thing he touted was his recruiting prowess and knowing he could tap into all that could make Georgia Tech a recruiting force, and the proof is right there with the class that once all is said and done, again, this is the December signing period. Uh, young men can still sign uh, later in February, uh, but right now as it stands, Georgia Tech is looking at a, a signing class that by various publications is in the top 20, if not just a touch outside it, but that is still a very rarefied error for Georgia Tech football. What were your impressions of having watched coach Collins and his staff work to secure this first full recruiting class?
0: Well, I just, uh, remember a year ago, literally at this time, uh, when, when, uh, I hired Jeff and he immediately, um, hit the, hit the ground running and recruiting. And at that time when he was, he hadn't hired a staff yet, he was like a one man wrecking crew. Um, and, uh, And then he put this staff together, and they have been uh, working recruiting um, since the day they arrived. Uh, And obviously, a lot of things changed. And his approach to recruiting and his visibility and basically um, uh, not assuming that we can't get somebody. And so anybody that was on any uh, list radar of anybody. Um, we touched, we got in those living rooms and, um, and I think what you're seeing is the, the results of, of the, the work they put in. And it's, and, um, you know, it's, um, it, it, it's, it's a day that we, uh, haven't had like, uh, today in, in, in some time and, and, um, being the only the, I guess the, uh, what, what people are saying is the, the, the The second um, top 20 class in Georgia Tech history since they started uh, ranking them. And it's uh, kind of ironic that the last one was 2007 when Jeff was uh, the director of player personnel and, and in charge of recruiting. So he obviously um, got back to where he
1: left hmm. off. As an athletic director, knowing that this past fall was going to be a transitional year in the program and that the effort was going to be there, but maybe the wins weren't, as an athletic director, did you have any concerns that that would cause uh, the the staff to maybe not gain as much traction as as they would like or you would like in year one? Obviously, in hindsight, that was never an issue, uh, and the results speak for themselves. But did that ever creep into your mind as this fall played out? Not really. Um, and and
0: as you you know as you went through every game, actually every day uh, through the fall, um, the the there were. Uh, High, highly ranked national recruits that were coming to campus, and whether it was on an official visit, an unofficial visit, um, the the quality of um, high school student athletes that were at every single game, mm-hmm. and not only was it quality, it was quantity. I mean, some of those games, we had uh, you know a hundred plus
1: national recruits. And you're, you're typically circulating with those recruits on a game day, right?
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, knowing that what uh, we needed to do and, uh, you know, a, a Coach talked a lot about us needing to get some length, it was pretty obvious that he was recruiting length just by looking at the young men that were standing on that sideline pregame. So, um, yeah, it, uh, I was not concerned about um, uh, necessarily uh, – the results of uh, of the games, because I think what was counter to that was the culture that he was building. It's really apparent um, the recruits uh, would be coming into the locker room after after those games, which you know they were tough losses. And so you're going to see um, what a char- what what a character looks like um, when somebody's kind of at, at the bottom. And when, when they've just sustained a tough loss and what does that look like? And I think these young men and their families saw that, um, you know what, our coaches, they care about these kids. Um, they, uh, they wanted to make it about them. It was about the seniors and the, the, the work that they had put in every single day despite what the record was. Um, and I think us winning late in the season. After we're not playing for a bowl game and we're not, you know, playing anything other than playing to win the game, and and I think that also shows uh, the kind of culture and the no quit attitude and the fact that these players had bought into what um, Coach Collins uh, was trying to create here, and and we're taking pride mm-hmm. in the fact that, you know what? Maybe it wasn't a successful uh, record wise, but they were laying a foundation so that these new recruits or these new. Yeah. Um, these freshmen coming
1: in will come into
0: an established culture.
1: So you were sniffing that vibe each and every Saturday on the sidelines.
0: Yeah, and and you know what, um, Coach Collins and his staff—they had a plan. They stuck to the plan. They never they never got um, you know they never deviated from the plan of hey, we got to recruit at the highest level. We got to be able to go toe to toe with with um, uh, those in our neighborhood, which are the best. You know, which are the the best of the best um year in and year out and and if we want to be able to play with the best we got to have the mm-hmm. best and so um yeah I I think and and uh the, the other thing I think that was just incredibly impressive was that these coaches um they, 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 they focused on the kids we had now and weren't looking forward. And, and, uh, from the standpoint of, of saying, Hey, this is a throwaway year. I mean, they, they worked their butts off, um, and helping our kids get ready to play each and every game. And I think, um, us winning, uh, late, uh, uh, when NC state came in and the way that we won, um, beating Miami down there first time in, you know, a decade or whatever, uh, just, those were the, the signs yeah. of um of of what was happening in the in the uh, program and what we are recruiting to. And I think that
1: obviously um that, that's paid off. So the foundation's strong, the future's bright. Uh, by the way, next year's roster will include at least fourteen of the top thirty-five recruits in Georgia Tech history in the twenty four-seven sports recruiting era, which I believe dates back to two thousand. Uh, might not go back through all decades of football at the collegiate level, but that's still really impressive. Uh, speaking of something that's important to recruits, uh, we've talked on the Toddcast before about game day atmosphere, um, the, the importance of maintaining balance between Georgia Tech's traditions, but at the same time creating an atmosphere that's appealing to the students, including the ones who are on the field playing and to the recruits. How did that process evolve as this past season went on, making sure you struck that balance between uh, the, the traditional and uh, the modern, and the more progressive and the more younger leaning, for lack of a better term?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you are threading the needle, and of course, Georgia Tech has, you know, a rich history and and so many traditions, and so how do you uh, stay true to your traditions? but at the same time create an environment that that uh, specifically recruits um, and students, our students um, are gonna embrace, be excited about, wanna be a part of, and that is a balance and, um, and, and it's not easy. So knowing that you can't make everybody happy, what we're trying to do is at least you know, provide an environment, that all of our fans, regardless of uh, when they went here or if they ever went here, that's the other thing, is we need to be able to attract uh, fans that aren't Georgia Tech alums. And, and so creating that game day experience is incredibly, uh, well, a lot of work goes into it, a lot of thought. We were extre- knowing that we were changing a lot of things, we were extremely open um, to feedback and wanting to hear um, what the fans said. And, and so I think you notice that throughout the year we did tweak things or dial back certain things and turn up the volume on other <laughs> things. Um, and that's going to be a process. and uh, so that that kind of leads uh, leads me to the survey uh, survey went out to all see- all uh, season ticket holders. And um,
1: that was earlier this
0: it, month, earlier right? Earlier this month. And so I urge um, our fan base to um, fill out that survey because we actually do read it. Uh, and for all those that did send emails and, and, um, and correspondence, either liking or disliking something, Whether we changed it or not, you can be assured that uh, all points of view were discussed in those rooms, in those meetings, and right now we're debriefing on the season to kind of see, okay, um, what worked, what needs work, um, what may we want to change, and those types of things uh, because it is a work in progress and it probably will always be a work in progress because uh, I think what's changed is that with the focus Uh, on recruiting and the students that you're always going to have to strike that balance. Mm -hmm. And um, we talk a lot about football recruiting, but every other sport's recruiting at the football games as well. And so that football game day experience is incredibly important to the football program, but it's also important to the golf program and the tennis program and the volleyball program and every other program that we've got because all of our coaches use uh, those football Saturdays um, as a showpiece on what's it like if you come to Georgia Tech
1: all right so make sure you fill out that survey uh, and and that will definitely be part of how you order your priorities for the season ahead as far as making any adjustments to the game day atmosphere you want to embrace your traditions obviously but you also want to create an atmosphere that helps Georgia Tech stand out from its peers
0: yeah for sure and and Hey, you know what? Some of that music that we play is probably not on my playlist list either. Um, in fact, I probably don't even know who's, <laughs> who those artists are. Uh, but, you know, we're recruiting 15-, 16-, 17-year-olds, and they do know who those people are. Mm-hmm. And so it's important that um, we provide a hip environment. The other thing is uh, we're in Midtown. And what I've been talking about a lot is Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech Athletics. We need to become Midtown cool. Right now, Midtown is probably the coolest neighborhood in America. Uh, We're recruiting to the fact that we are Um, that that is our neighborhood, and so part of our game day experience, part of what we're doing with the 404 and the ATL and and all those types of things plays a role in making sure that those young people that are out there that are looking for a place to to, to further further their education and play a sport, that Georgia Tech is a pretty special place to be able to do that.
1: Can you let fans in on any changes they might see in and around Bobby Dodd for next season, or are we still too early in the process? I'd say
0: we're probably too early um, in that we're debriefing on on this past season. Um, we're also in the process of uh, finishing up a master plan for the entire stadium. One of the things that I didn't want to do was you know, start tweaking or doing uh, smaller uh, projects that ultimately we'd have to pull out um, as we uh, did more renovations or whatever, so uh, we've we've gone ahead and uh, we're in the process of doing an overall uh, master plan for the the stadium, which will at least give us a a, a roadmap of. Um, what are the things that we can do uh, um, going
1: forward. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I, so what will all that entail? What, what, what will that all entail with the master plan and who's collaborating on it?
0: Um, basically, we've brought in an architecture firm to help us with that. And what that entails is as we try to look at how do we create more premium space you know right now we're we're fairly limited and we're sold out so all of our suites are sold out our club is sold out we have nothing else to sell in the premium category so one of the things that I'm very interested in doing is creating more premium space whether that's um, other clubs or uh, loge or whatever uh, but I didn't want to just dive headfirst into doing some of that stuff without looking at the entire stadium at one time. And then we can at least say, okay, you know what, these are some projects that, that we may be able to do sooner than later, especially if it's premium um, seating that could potentially pay for itself. Mm-hmm. Um, those projects are always a lot easier to do if you know where the money's coming from, and also can enhance the um, the game day experience. So. Uh, that's kind of what the master plan is, is, um, intended to do. Once we get that done and we, we do our debrief or we're in the process of the debrief of, um, last season, um, then our, what we're going to be doing, changing, altering, modifying, whatever for next year will, will become a lot clearer.
1: And you know, September will be here before you know it. If you thought this fall flew by, well, the yeah, the debrief
0: <laughs> started immediately uh, at the end of that last game. So, um, and uh, and uh, so, yeah, it's definitely something that knowing that heck, we're we're going to be rolling out season ticket sales here shortly. So, yeah, there's not a lot of downtime when um, uh, between seasons.
1: That's for sure. And it's good to roll out season tickets when you're on the heels of a top twenty signing class like Georgia Tech just inked this past week. Another question for you. How is Vermilion, South Dakota this time of year?
0: (laughs) Well, a good thing I'm from Canada. It was balmy. uh, Yeah, Yeah. it was a a balmy 31, 32. uh, Some snow on the ground. Fortunately, there was no wind. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's not easy to get to Vermilion from Atlanta, Georgia. No direct flights
1: on Delta. I I think it was through Sioux City, Iowa, if I was told correctly, and then bust, or no? The
0: team went through sioux city
1: and we're talking volleyball by the yeah, way yeah
0: they they went through sioux city iowa and they bust and i actually went through um i i flew to sioux falls
1: and ubered oh wow <laughs> yeah. how is the uber service in sioux falls south dakota it was
0: actually i was I, I, surprised I, I imagine uh, friendly
1: yeah, oh very friendly
0: and you know it's uh probably an hour and a half uh uber ride to vermilion from uh sioux falls oh. so uh uh, my guy, Brandon, did a phenomenal job, showed me the sights. And um, and uh, the one thing is that I was told that with the students um, out of school, uh, it wasn't quite the
1: party town that it uh-huh. normally is. So five stars for Brandon and one <laughs> yeah. championship for Georgia Tech Volleyball NIVC IVC champions. It concludes a remarkable season for Michelle Collier and her team that was so young entering the year. Ripped off 18 wins in their last 19 matches, only dropped two sets in the NIVC, and swept South Dakota on Tuesday night on the road, a team that was 31-2 and two coming in to uh, raise the NIVC trophy. Uh, your thoughts as the AD about what you witnessed from Coach Collier and what happened inside O'Keefe this fall?
0: Well just a phenomenal um, transformation um, in the program and and you know we were obviously incredibly disappointed in not being uh, in the NCAA tournament and uh, you know and we felt that we deserved to be um, and uh, you know we had a couple of losses early in the season which was unfortunate but at the same time coach Collier was trying to put her lineup together and figure out who what Basically, who our players were going to be, um, and uh, and so we rip off uh, what 18, 18 wins um, from October sixth, and we're on a roll. And there's no doubt in my mind. And obviously, with the results that that happened in the um, NIVC, we we were good enough to be in the NCAA tournament. Having said all that. Uh, a great opportunity for our young team um, to play uh, in the postseason and continue to win. And then to go up to uh, South Dakota, which we we were playing with a chip on our shoulders, but that was a team that only lost two games all season, had never lost at home. And we roll in and sweep them. And I think their RPI was in the mid-30s somewhere. So they were playing with a chip too. And so last night what you saw were two very, very good teams that should have been in the tournament that both were playing with a chip on their shoulder and with something to prove. And for us to go up there and win in three um, was just a testament to these young women. Know what? They were obviously disappointed in not making it to the NCAA tournament, but they turned that into the edge that they needed to go and just blow through the NIVC. And uh, one of the things I talked to them after the game was is we cannot lose that edge because that edge is what got us to where we were, and now we need to hold on to it. The good news is young team, uh, most of them are back. Uh, we hate to lose um, Cody Combi, but – um she's going on to great things uh you know uh, uh she had numerous job offers before uh, graduation day and and is going to go into um real estate development and i know she's going to be incredibly successful we hate to lose her but we got the uh, acc and regional freshman of the year julia bergman coming back we got uh, uh mariana brambila uh, who was um, the MVP of the tournament, and um, and then uh, the setter of the year is coming back. The coach of the year and um, and uh, what three uh, All ACC, either first team or second team uh, starters coming back. So we're loaded, and if we play with the edge that we've been playing with, um, look out. And the other thing that we learned um, is you cannot leave it up to a committee.
1: Um, People are always, and this applies to basketball as well, uh, fans always want to know what kind of internal push is being made by athletic departments to pitch their case for why they deserve an at-large bid to an NCAA selection committee. Can you sort of take us behind the curtain on just the, the role an athletic department plays in feeding information to, to bolster their team's chances and, and what that process was like heading towards the NCAA tournament selection for volleyball?
0: Sure. Um, basically, you want to make sure that they, uh, that the committee has all the information um, uh, on your team. So you're like preparing
1: and, a dossier yeah, with everything? are you're,
0: you're, you're preparing all the background, the fact that uh, we were on a tear since um, October 6th and that while our RPI um, was, was uh, you know, was uh, higher than what they would normally put in the tournament at, an, uh, at large bid, you know, you want to make sure that we have all these other... Um, aspects to what we've done that hopefully will balance that out. Uh, And so there, I mean, you're, you're definitely pleading your case. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're also fully aware that you're on the bubble and you're on the outside looking in and in our case, because of that RPI, but we were obviously hoping that we could overcome all that with coming uh, second in the ACC outright. Um, And, um, and, and uh the winning streak that we had been on and, and unfortunately um you know at the end of the day uh our, our we, we could not overcome our RPI. Um and I I I'm I'm on a committee.
1: You know how tough it is.
0: <laughs> I'm on a committee. And so, you know, you're splitting hairs. And so I get it. Uh do we think that um uh we deserve to be in it yes but um i think what it also uh the lesson to be learned there is you can't leave it up to a mm-hmm. committee and um and i think that that lesson was learned loud and clear uh by our young women uh and the other thing is that every game counts so that when you're playing Uh, a non-conference game early in the season, you got to win that game because it can come back to haunt you, and that's exactly what happened to us is some of those early games um, when we were still trying to find our identity that we lost, that we maybe shouldn't have
1: lost, came back and haunted us. Uh, It was an emphatic statement nonetheless in the NIVC, and congratulations to Georgia Tech Volleyball they had O'Keefe rocking throughout the fall, and O'Keefe will be rocking in the years to come. Tell us more uh, about this gift from Steve and Judy Zelnak, who have always been so generous toward Georgia Tech Athletics. They're providing the lead commitment for a major renovation to O'Keefe Gymnasium. What will this renovation entail? How will it transform the look outside and inside O'Keefe? Steve and Judy Zelnak are
0: incredible. Um, obviously, uh, we've already got their names on um, other uh, other facilities um, in our athletics complex, and they've stepped up with a with a, a major lead gift for O'Keefe. And anybody that's been to uh, any of our volleyball games, they know it is a rocking environment. I mean, it is hot,
1: it is intense, it is loud, uh, but it is O'Keefe. And-, and I'm guessing that's why the team wasn't phased when they played that championship match at South Dakota, and they touted a record crowd, 2,000-plus people for that match. But, man, O'Keefe can be just as hostile and inhospitable and ear-splitting loud. This probably didn't phase him. In
0: fact, I think it may have helped them because that's the environment they typically play in at home. And sometimes when you go and play somewhere and it's crickets in there, I yeah. think it's harder for our kids to yeah. adjust to that than it is to go into a hostile environment because... Um, O'Keefe is a rocking environment, and so w- what the the Zelnat gift is going to allow us to do is modernize um, the, the the rest of um, of O'Keefe. So we'll obviously want to keep the 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 playing area or the playing center um, uh, as intense as it is um, today, and not lose any of that type of an environment. But anybody that's been over there knows that th- some of the amenities are, are uh, you know, uh, a little underwhelming, and what this is going to allow us to do is um, uh, build a state-of-the-art volleyball center um, that will take our program and really propel it to the upper echelon of that sport. So uh, the Zelnaks is, uh, have stepped up, and uh, there are others um, that uh, that will uh, join them and allow us to put our, our um, coaching staff in a position that there won't be anybody that they won't be able to um, uh, uh, go after seriously um, anywhere in the country because it's going to be pretty special.
1: So uh, there will be a new entrance and lobby area when it's all said and done, upgrade to the team areas, uh, not just the locker room but the athletic training and recovery areas, possible upgrades to the seating areas, Including premium seating, do we know quite where that premium seating would be uh, situated? Well, what you know, obviously, we're not architects, and uh, but we are looking
0: at how can we create, you know, mm-hmm. maybe a club type of an environment. Um, and uh, the idea is looking at if we can take the front off that building and go up the um, the idea of having some type of a club up above the lobby area that would then look over into the court um but um we've got a great um, following for women's volleyball that I think after this year is going to continue to grow and get better so how do we provide a um an experience uh you know for our fans and enhance um, the experience for our student-athletes, as well as be able to recruit to it. So the Zelnat gift is really uh, a game-changer in what we're going to be able to do
1: at O'Keefe. Yeah, very exciting time to be a fan of Georgia Tech volleyball. All right, Todd, we said this is our last cast of the year. Once we flip that calendar, we will be in the year of our AI 2020. Yes. Is- <laughs> yes. Yeah, the clock's The year ticking. of our AI 2020. Yeah. Uh, but... There's some news with AI 2020 that you want to go more in depth on here on the Toddcast concerning uh, AI 2020 and what Georgia Tech fans can do to keep us inching closer and closer towards our goals.
0: Yes, just as a refresher to people, um, AI 2020 is our <laughs> um, capital initiative that includes a number of capital projects as well as endowments and scholarships. Uh, and, uh, we've, uh, the, the overall, um, initiative was $125 million. We've crossed the $100 million threshold. Of course, the, 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 the anchor to that whole, um, campaign, uh, is, uh, is the edge, uh, and which is a $70 million project. And the edge is incredibly important because it affects every student athlete in our Mm -hmm. program. And so, a 70 million dollar pro- project. Uh, we've crossed the 50 million dollar um, uh, level. So we're 20 million away, and we have an anonymous donor that has established a 10 million dollar challenge gift, um, which will basically match any dollar with a dollar up to 10 million. Uh, which essentially closes out that project. Which gets
1: you up to twenty million. That
0: gets us to twenty million, which gets us over the seventy. Um, which means we can get a shovel. We can get this thing designed to shovel in the ground and and start moving on the edge. Uh, the edge and the reason it's so important. Of course, recruiting is huge, uh, but the functional activities that go in the edge are those that support all of our student-athletes. So we're talking strength and conditioning, we're tra- talking nutrition, sports medicine, and academic support. And the Edge was built 1981. It put us in a position, if people were around in the 90s, when we won a national championship in football, Final Four in basketball, College World Series, uh, David Duvall, Stuart Sink, a number of Olympians uh, came out of that pro uh, came out of our program for the '96 Olympics. Future
1: athletic director. <laughs> That's right.
0: So a lot, a lot of um, uh, the renaissance of Georgia Tech athletics uh, really happened because of the Edge. We're there again, and um, the opportunity right now to um, provide our student athletes and coaches with the support and the facilities necessary for them to compete at the highest level, is, we, it, it's required. Mm-hmm. And um, now here we are going into 2020, $20 million away, and it, with a $10 million um, uh, match gift, I believe that uh, we are well on our way to, to closing this thing out and getting started on, um, on what will be a um a total game changer for our student-athletes. And
1: you were telling me another incentive that this anonymous donor has teased out as part of this matching $10 million challenge grant is he is conveying all naming opportunities. Explain what that means.
0: That means uh, your gift, um, if you give a $50,000 gift uh, that means that you will have the opportunity to name something that normally requires a hundred thousand dollar gift. So it essentially gives, uh, people interested in having their name put on something, um, uh, a, a two for one opportunity. Okay. And so that's, that's basically what that means. And, um, and so it's a great opportunity for uh our 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 donors um, to get more bang for their buck
1: so if you donate x amount, anonymous donor will match that, and the amount that he matches you can use to, towards naming toward, rights opportunities or toward naming rights opportunities
0: yeah and so uh you know obviously an incredibly generous person that um uh, has stepped up and and allowed and and is allowing us to do this, um, and I believe that it it basically is going to help us uh, close this thing out. Or right. There's no doubt it's going to help us close this. So thing if
1: you out. get any money as part of your uh, Christmas haul, well, over hey, the let holiday me say season. This.
0: So I know year end those people that have tax issues, because uh, that's the other thing is these gifts are tax deductible mm-hmm. and they can be given out, uh, and they can be given um, over years. So uh, quite frankly, uh, most of our gifts are typically, especially the larger the gift, um, are given over you know, five years and, and sometimes 10 years. So that's the thing. It's, uh, it's about making the commitment, but, um, and uh, so there are some you know, tax advantages that are doing it before uh, uh, December
1: 31st. There you go. You if, can get you've on it. you got that problem. I like it. All right, for more, go to com. Learn more about the Edge Renovation Challenge Grant and AI 2020. All right, let's wrap up with basketball men and women both playing uh, tournaments over the holidays. The women 8-1 right now under Nell Fordner. I see you got that Nell Yeh tumbler over there on your desk. That looks pretty nice. RPI 31, they're playing some hellacious defense They'll be out in Puerto Rico uh, playing a, uh, some stiff competition over there, Texas A&M and Rice. But uh, so far, so good, and you're one under Nell Fortner, huh? Oh,
0: boy. Has she, uh, they've come out of the gate. Um, I mean, other than the Rutgers game, I mean, they're winning by 20 and 30 points. I mean, it's uh, it, it, it's incredible to um, see those young women um, totally buy into to her system. And uh, it's exciting to watch. Uh, obviously, since we're a little RPI sensitive at the moment, <laughs> it's nice to have an RPI of 31 before we even go into ACC play. Um, but uh, great opportunity going down to Puerto Rico and playing Texas A&M and Rice. And the other cool thing about that is, is that the um, families that Jackets Without Borders um, uh, helped build homes um, for. Uh, over the last two years, uh, are planning to show up for our games, and so I think it's going to be a real emotional um, experience for uh, for some of our student athletes, especially Chana Scott and uh, Loda Mai, because they uh, they were part of the yep. team that we sent down there last year um, to do those projects. Yeah,
1: very cool. They're going to be reunited with the families whose homes they helped rebuild as part of Jackets Without Borders. We are going to have a video crew with the women's basketball team during their stay in Puerto Rico. So make sure you follow us on social media, Uh You'll see some pretty powerful, poignant images coming from that trip uh, and just further underscores the power of the Jackets Without Borders program and how that fits into your vision, uh, y- your mantra, which is right here on your whiteboard, Todd. We develop the young people to change the world, and uh, no better proof of that than what's about to uh, unfold in Puerto Rico.
0: Well, it's just great to see our, our young people um, go uh, and and do these projects. And, of course, they go there thinking that, and they are thinking that they're helping somebody else, but it's ultimately their lives that are changed forever. Mm-hmm. And um, I've never seen a student athlete come back from one of those trips and not, um, not be totally changed by it. And, of course, as we're trying to develop, Leaders, leader, community leaders, uh, corporate leaders—we uh, want them to have that experience, which, which leads me to, um, we in the new year. We'll be putting together our next um, Jackets Without Borders team, uh, which will return to Puerto Rico because there's so much that still needs to be done down there. So, anybody that's moved by, um, uh, by hearing about what we're doing down there, and and is inclined to. Um, help support that program uh we definitely um uh it's definitely a worthwhile cause and um and so jackets without borders please uh remember that as you think about the
1: holiday season hey this is a very timely (laughs) podcast is it not uh meanwhile men's basketball they are headed to hawaii for three games in the diamond head classic Finally, getting closer to full strength. Jordan Osher became eligible for the ball state game on Wednesday. Jose Alvarado has missed six of the last seven games. That really nettles some sprained ankle, but he's closer to returning. Uh, It's kind of like playing with ankle weights, but uh, once that team gets to full strength, it'll just uh, so happen to come as uh, ACC play returns, and and that's when you need all hands on deck, and I know Josh Pastor is excited to have his fully actualized team for the grind of ACC play.
0: Yeah, I think uh, really, really excited. Uh, not only to see Jordan Usher play because I think we've all been kind of waiting for for that uh, for that to happen because he is such a, uh, a talented player and this is going to be a, a huge positive impact for our team. But getting Jose back, try, you know playing without your point guard, and we didn't shy away in that uh, pre-ACC schedule yeah. uh, when you look at going up to Kentucky and and uh, the, the teams that we've played. And um, quite frankly, our defense as always is solid um, and and they we're playing great D. And so getting our our uh, point guard back and, and Jordan in the lineup, I, I think, um, we're we're uh, it's going to be pretty exciting mm-hmm. and i know i can't wait to um see us back at full strength
1: by the way speaking of that acc schedule limited number of tickets to the duke game january 8th have become available They originally only available through season tickets or acc packs once the limited number of single game tickets are gone the game will be sold out so jump on those right away maybe a little late stock and stuffer depending on when you're listening to this podcast but either way limited number of tickets to that duke game january 8th have become available uh i'll, I'll take one for the team and go to honolulu i appreciate you going to south dakota uh, earlier this week I'll, I'll bring you a full report from the diamond head okay <laughs> actually i'm taking one for the team i'll be a diamond oh well perfect <laughs> yeah. south dakota and hawaii in a, a two-week <laughs> stretch Different ends of paradise, I imagine, right? Kidding. Well, this is great. Uh, covered a lot of ground. I uh, appreciate the insights uh, as always, Todd. And Once again, for a future edition of the Toddcast, if you ever have a question for the man to my left, Todd Stansberry, just chime in on Twitter with the hashtag, Toddcast. Find us in the iTunes store, the Google Play Marketplace, Android Marketplace as well. Like, listen, subscribe. You know the deal. Either way. We thank you for listening. Tom, this is fun. We'll do it again in 2020.
0: Happy holidays. Happy New Year.
1: I, I feel like we can't say 2020 on this podcast without saying AI 2020. <laughs> so I'll say Happy New Year in AI 2020 as well. All right. He's Todd Stansbury. I'm Andrew Demetra. Folks, happy holidays. Happy New Year. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the podcast. The
0: Todd Stansbury Podcast is a presentation of RamblinWreck.com. Go
1: Jackets!